Welcome to the CBIA BizCast powered by Google. On this podcast, we dive into stories about Connecticut businesses. Downs Construction actually came to my school. And business leaders. I think it's always also really important to be able to see a path forward. We're shaping the future of Connecticut's economy. Thanks for joining us. I'm Amanda Marlowe, and today we are joined by Lenny Morano, president of Lectra Americas. Welcome. Thank you. We're so excited to have you here. We know that there's been a lot going on with the company um, since Lectra acquired Gerber Technologies in 2021. Mm -hmm. We're going to get into all of that and see what you guys have been doing recently. But first, I want to learn a little bit about you. You're a Connecticut native. Yep. So I'm a Connecticut native. I grew up in Waterbury. Uh, right now, I live in Watertown with my wife and, and two daughters and two dogs. But you know, grew up in Waterbury, went to Central Connecticut State University, got my bachelor's in accounting there. I've worked for a few Connecticut companies over the years and then joined Gerber Technology in 2014. And then Lectra in 2021 when they acquired Gerber. Okay. And so from going to accounting to the manufacturing space, quite a different world. Quite a different world. Uh, I mean, you know, you use the financials every day. You run a P&L. But it, it was interesting. Um, my... Going into my senior year of Central, I had I did an internship with the Connecticut State Auditors of Public Accounts and had a great experience there. I met a lot of great people, learned you know good attention to detail, but I also learned there was no way I was ever going to be an accountant for a living. And then I had to go and pivot, and I ended up getting into the technology world. Okay, and what um, first attracted you to that technology space? Well, it was it was interesting. Um, you know, technology is behind everything we do, and a lot of the companies that I've worked for over the years. And I think it's best exemplified with with Lectra and before Gerber Technology is, you know how how often that technology is behind everything we touch. So with Lectra, you know we serve the the apparel, the automotive, the furniture, the aerospace value stream. Whether it's your the clothes you're wearing, the car that you rode rode here on, the furniture that you're sitting on, or the Boeing seven eighty seven that you fly in, there's something of ours behind that. And being you know in that involved and in stuff people interact with every day is just really cool. Yeah, and there's so many um, Connecticut manufacturers, but I think one mm-hmm. thing about Lectra, which is so interesting, is the, the scope yeah. um, of what's being manufactured. So mm-hmm. tell us a little bit more about Lectra in general. Sure. So we're a strategic partner to those in the, the fashion, the furniture, and the automotive value streams. We provide uh, software, equipment, service support um, to factories that are using textile products. So like I said, it could be your clothes, your furniture, your car seat. It could be composites going into an, an airplane. Um, but we provide an end-to-end solution where customers could plan their inventory, design uh, patterns in 2D and 3D CAD software. They optimize their production using cloud-based nesting solutions. And then ultimately, we make the, the heavy metal equipment that goes onto a factory floor that cuts the textiles before they get, before they get sewn. And it's a very large global company. It's a global company. It's uh, just under $570 million in revenue globally. Okay. And in 2021, mm-hmm. um, for Connecticut, many people know of Gerber Technologies. Gerber sure. Technologies, you see it driving down the, the interstate. Yeah. Um, but so in 2021, Gerber, uh, well, I guess they came in a little bit earlier, mm-hmm. but Lecture kind of came in acquired the company. What mm-hmm. has changed since then in terms of you know the opportunities now for Gerber? Sure. So, um, you know, prior to Electra acquiring Gerber, we had gone through two cycles of private equity ownership. And, you know, there was, you know, different management changes, you know, over the years prior to being acquired by private equity. And we really needed to 
take the organization that we had and focus on what its core competency was and then get it you know kind of optimized for a next the next strategic investor which in this case happened to be Lectra. So since Lectra's um, since Lectra's bought us we know that we have a permanent home and we can make long-term investments. And those long-term investments you know are everything in from investing in the product portfolio and research and development a lot of which is done right here in Tallinn Connecticut but also bringing back manufacturing uh, into Tallinn where we had outsourced it under our private private equity owners. And uh, so that's really the new announcement really that mm -hmm. just came out. We've seen headline after headlines, you know, Lectra brings manufacturing back to Connecticut. Mm -hmm. uh, tell me about that process and what, what kind of prompted that. So, you know, one of the things that Lectra does really well, and they have a, a, a center of excellence and a center of manufacturing in Bordeaux, France. Um, you know, Lectra is a industry point oh provider of technology solutions. So that means everything that we do is connected. We use you know, cloud-based systems to connect the physical world to the cyber world and take data and analyze it to make processes better. And, you know, when we were outsourcing manufacturing, we weren't in a position to really practice what we preach. So by taking the best practices and the lean manufacturing and the industry 4.0 based plant that we had in Bordeaux and applying it here to Tallinn, it allows us to, to control our production quality, our production efficiency, um, making sure that we're getting the right configurations to customers. It's, just, it's all about control and quality. So what are some of the, the unique additions or changes to this new facility? Well, you know, it's interesting. As I, as I had mentioned before, Electra is an industry 4.0 based solutions provider. It's very important that we practice what we preach. And when you look at the flow of data throughout our plant and how we monitor metrics and track data and track efficiency and then track the product how it goes to the customer, uh, that whole process was really brought over from Lectra as a, as a best-in-class practice. So it must be, it's not like an old, dirty, dingy warehouse. No, it's beautiful. <laughs> it's, it's, it's well lit. There's you know, big technology dashboards you know, all around the plant now uh, where people can you know, monitor you know, what they're doing. It's very easy to walk up to a production cell and see, see where it's at, what's being produced, and what the next step is. And how did... I don't know at what point that decision was made to kind of bring it back, but I know with a couple of other companies that we've spoken with recently, manufacturers with headquarters overseas, mm -hmm. um, the pandemic and not having people that could travel through yeah. um, and the growth of the American North American market really mm -hmm. played a factor. Was that something that you guys saw too? Uh, absolutely. The products that we make uh, in Thailand are very highly consumed in the Americas. Um, we make what's called our, our single ply cutting line and that, you know, it goes into all of the markets that we serve, but there's a heavy presence in furniture, a heavy presence in industrial accounts like aerospace. A lot of customers of those products are right here in Connecticut and, uh, you know, long established, you know, aerospace and defense companies. Okay. What were some of the challenges that you saw during the pandemic um, as a company and, and, you know, dealing with so much? You know, it, it's, it's interesting, right? Every challenge creates a, creates an opportunity and, you know, the challenges of the pandemic are one, you know, how do, how do you just continue to run a business, right? So I, that was, I was with Gerber at the time. This was before Lecture acquired us. And, you know, at the time I was in a more global role and we had 650 people around the world, plants that were, that were shut down. Um, but what I think the most interesting challenge was, was that all the customers that we serve, right? You look at like all the apparel companies, all the furniture companies, they have all of this design cut and sew capability. And, because we were global, we had saw this in China, 
was that we knew our customers were going to want to convert over to making PPE from their traditional products, right? So people weren't buying suits when COVID happened. They were buying face masks. Hospitals needed gowns. So, you know, it's really the way that we handled COVID is one of the things that I'm very proud of of our organization and one of the things that I'm proud of in my career is that we very quickly pivoted to making sure our customers had everything they needed to convert their manufacturing, their design base over to making personal protective equipment. And that even included flying machines over from different parts of the country to give people the capacity that they needed. And that had to happen quickly. And it had to happen very quickly. And, uh, you know, I think it kind of showed the can-do attitude and the scrappiness of the team that we had at the time. And how has that helped really bring your team, motivate you to this new chapter? Well, we, you know, we all look at it and say, oh my God, it's amazing what we accomplished during that time. It created an amazing amount of goodwill within our, our customer base, just being able to do it that quickly and, and, and that successfully. But it kind of showed us that nothing was impossible, right? We got out of it in a, you know, in a, in a very positive light. We maintained you know, a good level of profitability of the company. We didn't have to do any, any mass layoffs. And it just really showed what we can do when we, when we really focus on something. And also when we, when we need to, right? We, the, the country needed PPE, our customers needed to convert over, and we stepped up to the plate. Great. And now your customers, I'm sure, are very much well ramped back up. They're well ramped back up to doing T-shirts, suits, couches, furniture. Absolutely. But we have this little uh, challenge that many people are facing with the supply chain. Yep. And what are you guys doing to really, you know, combat that, those issues? So, you know, the, the solutions that we provide very natively help our customers uh, combat supply chain issues. So, you know, it starts with like PLM software, which is product lifecycle management, making sure that you're planning your inventory lines that are, at, and you're planning it at a level that's actually going to be sold and that, you know, you're maintaining the line of sight to your supplier's lead times and balancing inventory based on those lead times. But the other thing is that, and we see this a lot, a lot now is this whole nearshoring trend, right? Uh, you hear it, you hear it all over the place and, you know, our, our equipment and our ecosystem of products is an enabler of nearshoring. And, you know, whether you're designing a product in New York City or London, by having a connected infrastructure that's industry 4.0 based, you can send it to manufacturing and any, wherever you need to in the world. So what we see from a lot of our customers is that, you know, where over maybe the last 10 years they had invested in you know, Asia, whether it's China, Vietnam, Bangladesh, or Cambodia, they're saying, hey, you know what? When I go to increase my capacity, I'm going to go and do it closer to where the product is actually going to be consumed. And, you know, we see that in, you know, in, the, in some cases in the Americas, we see it in the Caribbean, we see it in Mexico, and we see it in Central America. And what, what do you think the impact is going to be long term? I think, I think this is going to be something that's here to stay. You know, we're in a lot of companies, we're out there chasing costs, you know, cost of labor, uh, cost of sourcing raw materials, they weren't looking at some of the other intrinsic costs, you know, of the supply chain risk, of transportation, of the, um, you know, macro political risks with some of the training partners that we have. And I believe that that, that nearshoring is going to be here here to stay. I think when they look at their, their P&L at the end of the day, say, hey, you know what, we can get it to a, a customer by the time we have all those soft costs eliminated at a, at a, at a cost that's a lot less than even importing it from from a low low cost labor region. Yeah, it's really interesting, and it'll be interesting to see you know what happens as we continue mm -hmm. um, on this trend. Yep. 
going back to you know the new facility mm -hmm. or reopening the facility in Tallinn, what what did that do to the workforce that you guys had out there? So we had to go and we we ended up hiring about thirty more people okay. <laughs> at, at a very challenging time, That's, right? It's not a good time to no. hire, but that many people. But we had to go hire about thirty more people. Um, you know, some of them we brought back from when we had manufactured previously, um, but. You know, we did things like working with recruiters that were um, uh, associated with veterans groups, where you know somebody would come out of the army and needs a job, and we got them a, a great, great position on our on our manufacturing team. Um, we had to be a little bit creative. We're engaged more with the schools now in the region as we try to recruit. So, you know, aside from manufacturing, we also have a very strong R and D base here in Connecticut. And you know, with all of the companies, whether it's Sikorsky, Pratt and Whitney, you know. Um, uh, electric boat, there's a there's a high competition for those that want to be in manufacturing and those that want to be in research and development. So we have to make sure that we're out there trying to, you know, differentiate ourselves and letting people how letting people know how cool the stuff that we do actually is. Yeah, I mean for someone like you, right? You didn't really think the manufacturing space was necessarily what you were interested in. No. No, when I first started my career that wasn't wasn't uh, where I wanted to go. But it was funny. When I when I had, you know, started to talk to Gerber about the position you know, Stephen talking to you know my my father, right? My father was an electronic salesman that called on Gerber as a sales guy for, you know, twenty years. He was like, "Hey, that's a really cool company. They're behind the scenes of everything that, you know, you touch and don't even realize it. If you could get in there, that's a good place to be." And he was right. And has that obviously, you know, <laughs> under operating under Electra now? Mm -hmm. But like you mentioned, your dad know, knew about the company. Yeah, it's a it's a common name here in Connecticut. Mm -hmm. How do you think that also helps you kind of build that workforce too? Uh, you know, it's it's a it's a matter of um, you know, I guess equity within the you know within the the base of Connecticut industry, right? Gerber was around for a long time, and we got acquired by somebody that was much stronger in certain areas that we were, including in manufacturing, including in Industry 4.0, and taking the, you know, the Gerber brand here in Connecticut, but also throughout the Americas, and applying some of the best practices and the product portfolio that, that Electra has, and, and the, the long-term strategic investment strategy, you know, for our employees and for our customers, it's going to be a, a long-term win, and it's already proving that out over the last two years. And for you, obviously, you know, you oversee the Americas, but why is it so important for you to see Connecticut succeed? I think it's, uh, you know, being a Connecticut native, having a strong family base, having a strong, you know, friendship base here and growing up here and seeing all the success of other major technology companies, we want to make sure that we're a, a good contributing partner to that. And now in Tallinn, um, you know, this is a really important part of, of that area and, and its economy. Yeah, it's uh, you know we have you know roughly three hundred people that that are in Thailand on any given day, and you know they they go to lunch at the restaurants and they shop at the the, the stores around there, and you know, a lot of them are very local to that area. Awesome, and I've, as you've kind of shifted in your journey, going back to you a little bit, what are the, some of the things that you learned specifically over the past couple of years through the pandemic, through an acquisition? Um, that you think could help with other companies who are maybe going through similar experiences right now? Uh, you know, or leaders in companies. Ma ma making sure that you balance taking care of your customers, your employees, and your shareholders, right? It's, it's, it's important because when you take care of all three, they all end up helping out each other. So you, especially, you know, in a, in a, you know, either a competitive environment when it goes to get uh, to keeping employees, when you're in a high inflationary environment, 
uh, that can impact the cost of customers. When you're going through an acquisition and an integration, you have to really balance your focus as a leader. And you can't lose sight of, of either of those three things. And the other thing I would say is don't aim too low, right? You know, when you, when you look at the, you know, as a leader, you have to be confident in the team that you've built and, comp and confident in what you can ultimately go and achieve. So don't, don't set the bar low. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And you've certainly, we've seen some pretty extreme growth um, bringing that facility back yep. here. So we, you know, in the, uh, you know, in the Americas last year, we had a, a nice year of growth from a, a sales standpoint, and we did it through an integration. You know, Lecture and Gerber were competitive, and, you know, on, on my team in particular, it was about 300 people that were competing each other, at it, with each other for the last 50 years. So getting everybody to come together and drive towards one, one common goal and, and grow the business in 2022 is, you know, something we're pretty proud of. What do you think it, it took to really get people now thinking on the same page? Uh, you know, e when you're integrating two competitive companies, you have to lead by example, check your ego at the door, over communicate on what, come up with a good plan and then over communicate on it. You have to operate transparently, you have to communicate well on it and that's going to, that helps get everybody aligned when, when they know what direction everybody's going in and they can be confident. And this happened at a time where it wasn't so easy to, you know, fly somewhere and, and sit at a table. Well, we, we couldn't. The whole acquisition, the, the Gerber acquisition, we joke, was done from all of our basements. <laughs> you know, it was, uh, you know, a $569 million company combined now. And we did that, you know, and it was right, I think it was during Delta or Omicron or one of the variants. Nobody could travel. So we did it all over Zoom and Teams and we did it from, we did it from our basements. And, and then, uh, you know, shortly after the, the deal was closed on June 1st, then we were able to travel. So I was able to go visit some of our other offices around the Americas and get to know the team. And it was been, it's been great. And what are you most looking forward to um, as you look to the next five, 10 years? You know, the technology keeps on evolving. And, you know, Lectra has a very, very strong balance sheet. And when you look at the markets that we serve, you know, we were an end-to-end -end solutions provider, but there's other areas of the value stream that we may not necessarily touch. So being able to do more for our customers uh, with new technologies, you know, AI, right? Everybody's talking about chat, GPT, and all, all this stuff. You know, some, some people think it's pretty cool. Some people are scared of it. I think, you know, when used the right way, it can be an enabler to providing additional value to our customers. So how our product portfolio evolves organically through R&D and then also through future acquisitions is something that gets me excited. And that was kind of what you touched on before with the supply chain. Customers are seeing new options and kind of capitalizing on some of these opportunities you can provide. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the things that we hear a lot um, about is sustainability and traceability of the value stream. And, you know, some of it's driven by the consumer, some of it's driven by the needs to do things more efficiently and, you know, uh, improve profitability. But a lot of it's, you know, really driven by just kind of companies wanting to be more green in the way that they do things. So at the beginning of this year in January, we acquired a company called Textile Genesis, which is a web-based traceability platform from, you know, raw materials all the way to consumer. So our customers could trace every step of the process, where the raw materials came from, where the product was produced, how it was distributed to make sure that there's a good sustainable value stream there. So that's something that I think is, is pretty cool. It's a recent acquisition that we had. And I think that'll continue to, um, you know, that'll start to make its way through the Americas pretty soon. And just to, in terms of technology, it, to be ahead, to continue to keep up, that takes a lot of R&D. Mm -hmm. What role does that play in, in, in your business? 
uh, especially here in Connecticut and the Americas. Sure. So globally, um, over 10% of our revenue is reinvested in R&D. Um, so, you know, at a you know, $570 million company, you know, it's over 50 million that we spend in R&D every year. Uh, you know, in Connecticut, we have a lot of the, the great legacy Gerber engineers. So when you look at some of the products that, the products and the market presence that Gerber had um, in the Americas, and you look at what that, the R&D teams was focused on, getting them to work on products that could expand that presence throughout other parts of the world is something that, you know, we take, you know, that we're, we're taking a very good, good hard look at. We got some pretty cool projects in the pipe. Right, and in terms of hiring, we said it's it's really that spectrum from R and D to you know on the floor manufacturing. Yeah, so in Connecticut we have you know R and D, we have on the floor manufacturing, we have customer support and success, um, which is a critical part of what we do. You know, one of the things that both uh, Lectra and Gerber had done very well was making sure that we support our customers and that they're maximizing the value of the solution after they buy it. Mm -hmm. um, so we have customer success teams there, but we also have finance, IT. Right, all the the normal administrative functions you would have in a in a plant like that. And are you still looking for talent? Yeah, we're always looking for new talent. Yeah, no, absolutely. What kind of, you know, being a homegrown <laughs> person, what kind of areas are you looking at? Do you go into the colleges that some of the? Yeah, we just did a um, we just did a uh, a career fair with with UConn. I think we have another one coming up with Central, which I'm going to try to attend as a home monitor. It's been a little while since I got to walk walk that campus. Um, uh, but we're, we're doing a lot of joining CBIA, <laughs> right? Getting back involved with CBIA. So we're trying to get our network spread as a recruiting tool for all of those future positions. All right. Well, thank you so much. I think we're looking forward to seeing, you know, Lectra's continued growth here in Connecticut um, and throughout this region in general. Awesome. Thank you very much for having me. All right. Well, thank you for listening to this week's BizCast. You can listen, like, and subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave us a review and let us know a few ideas for a future podcast. For a full list of episodes, head on over to CBIA.com.